Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we got um, Ricky Reigns back in the house. Guess who's back, 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 back. Yeah, man, that's what, two times in three days? Two, oh, a... man. Uh, and uh, your video, I just started a TikTok uh, last night. Your mm -hmm. video has way more views, like on my reel. It's at, like 700 views. Hey, I'd love to hear that. Dude, you're like, and I post like them all at the same time. So I have like all, basically all my reels that are on my Instagram. I just put on TikTok. Yeah. And yours is like 700 and the like next closest is like 250. Oh, so I, I love like, that. I was like, well, I guess I got to get this guy back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we got to have like an intro for you. So I was actually thinking about this earlier. So I think the obvious one is like, uh, hey, Ricky, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Ricky. You know? Yeah, yeah that's a great one. Or Ricky, don't lose that number. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we a good do one, that too. One. Yeah. You don't yeah, that, that's kind of slower. I kind of oh, yeah. like that. I was thinking like something really short, like a uh, Ricky, 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 Ricky. Yeah. What's the? Uh, it's tricky. <laughs> Who sings? It's tricky. Oh yeah. Ricky, 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 Ricky. Oh. Yeah. Something along those lines. Actually, I think I like that one the best. That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Let me let me write that down. I'm definitely gonna forget it, but let me write it down. I have to like um, give their producer a call and see if I can like um get the rights to it or something yeah you gotta get my, the copyrights with, with my zero dollar budget yeah that's um, right <laughs> um but uh ricky just put out his uh cat crave article talking about what he's looking for in training camp uh, it's really really good if you want to see it um he basically goes over what he's watching which is kind of what we're all sort of watching i know a lot of the off season has been built around our weapons and what kind of weapons we have and I looked it up, and I saw when Reich took over an Indy, his best receiver was T.Y. Hilton, and he went for like 762 yards or something. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so Reich doesn't need – so this, this we're, we're creating a big deal because of fantasy purposes, I think, and that sort of thing. But he yeah. had Marlon Mack and 700-yard T.Y. Hilton. So I, and, they, I think, and, the, and the running backs that he had, too, he targeted them in the passing game so much more. Right. It, you look at like their leading receivers. They had a running back in the top three leading receivers every single year under Reich. Yeah, and Jack you're right. Like it, was, was... it was a hodgepodge group of receivers type of situation. Yeah. Once they got Michael Pittman and he kind of acclimated, which he did in his second year under Reich and, and kind of getting comfortable on, in the offense and all that stuff, then he was clearly the offense or the, or the wide receiver one for that team. But even then, he was still seeing a relatively tame target share as far as the spreading around of the ball. And we've got Bryce Young, who's a point guard at quarterback anyways that's what everyone keeps talking about so <laughs> spreading the ball around is going to be a very linear track for this yeah offense. yeah exactly like even, even Pittman was a, like a it's a good talent um but he, he was still a rookie and then yeah. he was a uh in his second year and right right got um fired his first five games of his third year mm -hmm. so if if we're expecting that okay he knows how to draft wide receivers obviously because he got Michael Pittman well he just came in and drafted a wide receiver so right so uh, we can talk. We can, we can barely touch on that. We've talked way too much because I'm I'm actually a defensive guy. Like if you can mm -hmm. see my, I'm wearing my chin jersey. See that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman roll. Yeah. Um. I. You know what, man? I uh, I have a Brian Burns 53 jersey. And uh, sorry to hear that. I get a jersey every year, and uh, I, except for last year, I was going to get an icky jersey, and they were mm -hmm. sold out, and I just life got got in the way. So I may get two jerseys this year if my wife let me, lets me. But, yeah, splurge. Um, Treat yourself. Yeah, right. Right. So, yeah, I really want an icky jersey. Uh, but now I just got this 53. <sighs> man, man, my my first uh, jersey that I ever bought was a Kelvin Benjamin jersey. Oof. It's so rough. Man, so, I'm surprised you stuck with it after that. Yeah. I probably um, went back to the T-shirts or something, you know. <laughs> to, to be fair, I bought it at the beginning of the 2015 season. Mm -hmm. Um. So, like, right before he tore his ACL. So, I mean, it was unlucky that way, but yeah. we went to the Super Bowl that year. So That's right. Yeah, yeah, and there was still reason for optimism. Yeah, exactly. So, that's why I kept buying jerseys, because maybe it's me buying jerseys that gets us to the Super Bowl. Hey, there you go. All right, well, then buy, <laughs> buy a few this year, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get two. Yeah, I'm going to get a uh, – man – I think I have to get a, a chart jersey, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you have to, be, for be, sure. Be, beating the chart drum all year. Uh, I think actually, you're going to need a white, a black, and a process blue chart <laughs> jersey. And get a Lions one just for good measure. 
<laughs> Jags too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get Every all. single get stop. <laughs> um, actually, I actually we didn't talk about this before, but I do want to touch on that because I was I was looking at um, who I think uh, Mike K did post this, or maybe it was Mike Michael Rimmer about um what battles we're looking forward to most. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about it. And of course, the main ones that, that you write in your article are ones that I'm I'm looking at. But I'm also, I didn't think about it that much until I thought about it. I'm, I'm interested to see if we are too locked in on who we have starting at wide receiver. So I want to talk You're, to you a little bit yeah, about yeah. that. Yep. Um, so uh, your article touches on uh, three areas. I'll let, I'll let you kind of intro all of that when we get there. But the first is on Bryce. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, that's has yeah, to be, you, you got to get your quarterback, right? Yeah. You, you got the number one back. overall pick of the, of the draft. Um, he's the number one player rated in college every year since the moment he stepped on that field. So yeah, yeah. You cannot go into training camp without talking about him first. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's, uh, that's what we should just like get right into because it feels like we have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would just go ahead and take it away. What you're looking for in training camp with Bryce. Yeah, so obviously the narrative on Bryce has always been about his size. Once he started doing the rookie OTAs and these extracurricular workouts that he's putting together with some of the wideouts and the running backs and the tight ends, that shifted to how quickly he's picking up, how quickly he's acclimating, and kind of organizing all of this for the team, right? He has already taken on this leadership role. We have heard numerous times about his quiet confidence and things of that nature. One of the things that I'm really interested in seeing in training camp, when that speed ramps up, when the pads are on, everyone's fighting for a job always, right? But in training camp, there are guys who are literally day by day fighting for their livelihood. They will make a big splash if they do it against Bryce Young. So there is a target on his back, even from his own teammates. I know he performs under pressure. You look at any statistics, especially from PFF and all that kind of stuff, under pressure, he was the... I believe the best college quarterback. He had the highest pressure rating. Um, I would love to see what that looks like in the NFL when everyone is so worried about his physical stature and the statures of the defenders. I would love to see how that carries over. And I think that we will because you're going to see more physical pressure being put on him. He's still not going to get hit. They're not going to let him just get drugged by his own teammates. That's not going to happen. But they will absolutely come at him faster and with more intent than we have seen before. What happens if he starts to struggle against that? You know what I mean? I want to see how does he handle that adversity? How do his teammates rally around that adversity? If he he misses a few throws because either his timing is off or because his internal clock got sped up by the pressure of the defense, I really, really want to see, like, does everybody kind of say, hey, man, look, we got you. We trust in you. We know exactly what you already have. Even though you're a rookie, we've seen it. We're, We're happy. Let's do this. I also really am curious to see the split in formations that we're going to run. We know that the offensive philosophies of Thomas Brown and Frank Reich aren't the same, but we also know that in the Venn diagram of their philosophies, there is a gray area, right? There is that middle part where they do share common interests, common goals. I want to see how often is Bryce Young in the shotgun where everyone feels he is most comfortable. He's going to have to operate under center as well to stay honest on the offensive side of that ball you can't just run out of that shotgun I really want to see how he does with that I want to see his rapport with the offensive line um I want to see formationally and personnel wise I do want to see how much tight end usage we see I want to see how many wideouts we have on the field at the same time do we run a lot of 12 personnel you know like what what do we look like when we're out there and you can't really tell any of that in mini camps and, and OTAs Training camp is where you're going to actually see them start testing out things that they want to apply in real game situations. Yep. Um, I I think you, you hit on a ton of points that I was going to bring up uh, earlier. Um, shotgun rate. I, I looked this up a long time ago, and I wish I could remember exactly what the number was. But uh, I think the entire time that Reich was there, he was in shotgun like 75% of the time. He yeah. has like one of the highest uh, shotgun rates, which in, 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 I mean, think about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is an under center a lot. Um, Kyler Murray, it like gets you away from the line. Um, Absolutely. 
So I think that helps. And you're talking about high release for um, everybody keeps on talking about, yeah, he's like a little shorter, but he has a high release. He's, yeah. So it doesn't have batted balls. And yeah, we're talking yeah, he's about got, He's got great throwing mechanics, man. Like he sometimes can get a little bit happy with his feet. And, and a lot of that comes from the uh, out of structure, off platform type of creating that he has to do. But there are still times where his, maybe it's even that crazy brain of his, right? Maybe he is so sped up inside of his brain that his body has a difficult time catching up every now and then and, and working in sync with it. Sometimes his feet will be a little bit behind his upper body. I want to see how that all looks. The shotgun will help with that. The RPOs will help with that. There is when you, if he is going to pull that back, right? If he pulls that ball back when he is looking at, is he going to run or is he going to throw the ball? When he pulls that back, there is a natural movement with his hips and aligning his legs to where he is going to be identifying conflict defenders. I want to see how all of that looks. Um, what you were saying about his release point, though, the other thing about the shotgun, if Bryce's processing is his superpower, when you're five yards behind that line of scrimmage, it's going to buy you that extra second or something like that. He's releasing the ball with around three seconds is what his college release time was. I think it might've been a hair over like 3.03 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Shave that off. Cause in the NFL, the benchmark is always three. You want to get it out in under three seconds. That's the shotgun's going to help with that. Mm -hmm. And, and some of his going over three seconds is just because of his creating, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so like, yeah. You don't want to yeah. take that magic out because you're looking at metrics. Let the guy play the way he wants to play. And I, I want to see how that looks um, in the NFL. And we'll see that in training camp. Yeah. And I, I think uh, it's going to be a, a coaching area where you're going to have to just let him be him a little bit, mm -hmm. which can be really hard for a rookie. Yeah. But you, it's like the trust thing that I hope that our coaching staff, which I think they do. I think that they get it. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think that, uh, let's say you're Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin, it's like, you're it's like very structured, and like you have to do it like this specific way. Mm -hmm. But Andy Reid, you're like, I got to let Mahomes do Mahomes kind of thing. Right. Um, and we're talking about uh, the speed of the NFL, people going after him. How many Georgia players got drafted this year in the first two rounds? Mm. Like, and we were, and Eagles got what, like nine of them, nine of right. the seven, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like a lot of the Georgia guys were like praising the Eagles for getting these great players. Look how many points Bryce Young put up against <laughs> against Georgia. Right, you know? and and that was with an Alabama offensive line that was way worse than it has been historically, at least yeah. in the recent history, right? That offensive line was probably the worst offensive line that Alabama's had in a decade, maybe yeah. as far as NFL talent and as far as performance. Um, He did miraculous stuff <laughs> behind that line with that Georgia defense, and he looked really good doing it. He made some mistakes. He did, you know, I think it was the, yeah. was it Keely Ringo got the pick six off of him in the, I believe it was the SEC championship game that that happened. That might've been a 21 as well. It might not even have been in 22. Um, he's going to make mistakes, man. He's a rookie. Like, and that's, that's part of what was in the article as well is that we really need to be realistic about this and know that hiccups will come. We know that we're with a first year coaching staff, everyone working together. We know that we have a rookie quarterback. And we know that we have a brand new receiving court. Get used to a little bit of hiccups. Take them in stride. As long as it is not a consistent thing that is happening, there is no reason to panic because Bryce Young doesn't throw for 100% completion, seven touchdowns and zero interceptions every single game. Right, exactly. And so um, Mike K, and uh, I actually am really glad that I get to uh, fix what I said last time because you said C3 and I said no. It was C3 that Mike K was on, but it wasn't their main I think it was pod. just Tony, it was right? Like, yeah, it was, a, it was yeah. a side pod, and then he was brought up. Yeah, so it, that's why I was thinking it wasn't C3, but it was yeah. C3. Um, so I got to give them their uh, their props uh, for uh, that, um, that pod. Yeah, that was a good interview. Yeah, yeah. So Mike K comes on, and he said, uh, yeah, Bryce Young did um, throw bad balls. He, threw, mm -hmm. he, he made bad plays, but yep. it never affected him. Like he right. always came back and did something else. Right. And that's what really impressed Mike K. And that's exactly what we're talking about with that adverse, you know, reactions. Like what is he going to do when the proverbial shit hits the fan? How does he react? How does the team react? And that cool, calm, collected demeanor that everyone refers to with Bryce, it comes out of him when he plays. Like yeah. it, it literally, that confidence transfers through the rest of the team. Yeah. I want to see that in action. Like I, I've heard all yeah. the reports. I can't wait to actually see it happen.
you don't have a uh, uh, Darnold coming out saying he's seeing ghost. Like, you don't have that. <laughs> you don't. You don't look at your quarterback and be like, "Is he going to be okay?" Yeah, like, and Bryce, I, I can't I think, wait. I can't wait until somebody can make a meme of Darnold's. You know, oh, guys are wide open out there. I can't wait until somebody says, yeah. "Hey, how about Frank Reich's <laughs> offense with Bryce Young?" A lot of guys are open. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So just uh, touching on one point, it's not like he was throwing to Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith on Alabama either. Mm-mm. Like he, uh, he didn't have the same receivers that, uh, I mean, he had gifts, yep. but he didn't, he didn't have the same guys. Yeah, uh, no, but, his surrounding talent was, it was a down year at Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like touching on, you said formations and, uh, um, and uh, using the tight end. Mm-hmm. I think the assumption going in is that we're going to have uh, TMJ at the X, uh, um, uh, Chark at the Z, and then, um, uh, Thielen in the slot, right? Yeah, uh, that's the assumption. That's what ESPN has, and that was my assumption. But the more I'm looking into it, and the more I was like watching uh, 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 Rams uh, film, mm-hmm. I don't know that with as much motion as we're going to be running, mm-hmm. and as many guys that we're going to want to, uh, you know, have playing different areas, because mm-hmm. we know that Chark can play all, all over the field. We know that Thielen can play all over the field. Do we? I think I might rather have them play on the outsides and have Mingo, Chanel, uh, those guys, you know, um, going in motion a lot or uh, going, you know, two tight ends or that sort of thing than having uh, Tagnet, uh, TMJ uh, mm-hmm. on the outside of the X. I don't know. Like, and you were talking about how, like, you were talking about that formation wise. Right. So I don't think it's locked in that TMJ is a starter. Um, no, I, I I'm not sure that there's really any positional standings that are 100% locked in right now. And I and obviously look, Brian start. Burns, Brian Burns, or oh yeah, yeah, and I'm just talking about the roster in general, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Bryce Young has been named the starter. We know our offensive line. We know who the best players are there. We know the Brian Burns. We know Derek Brown. We know the obvious stalwarts of the team. As far as this new receiving group, though, a I don't really know that there is a great label to put on anybody. I don't know that there's a designation to put on any of these guys. And I, it was touched in the article as an honorable mention of, I don't think that we figure out who wide receiver one is in training camp. I'm not even sure that we figure it out halfway through it's the season. I'm not sure that there is a wide receiver one. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, I mean, we, we we do know. Oh, yeah, yeah. DJ Chark led. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My apologies. I forgot who I was talking to. Um, but I, I think that it's less important about who we name wide receiver one. Yeah. It is going oh, to be yeah. a game-to-game type of situation. But you're, I don't think that you're wrong that there is some versatility with all of these receivers. I think that all of them can play a multiple alignment situation. I don't think that Terrace Marshall Jr. is pigeonholed to only playing the outside receiver as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he has the capability. And, and we're going to see some of this in training camp, and that's what we're interested in, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're not going to see everything. Yeah. They're not going to tell us every single secret. But they have to start practicing things that they want to run in real game situations. I mean, they have to. You can't go into it saying, oh, good, we saved 90% of our offensive philosophy for the regular season so that we didn't tip our hats. And then you have no practice in it against people. You're going to have to start seeing some of the real things materialize. Um, I think that Adam Thielen will probably be the receiver that moves around the most, if I had to guess. Because I think that his history of playing the outside and then his proclivity or proclivity to produce from that slot just gives him a huge versatility. You know what I mean? It just yeah. gives him a big bump initially and his hands. I mean, he's got a great drop percentage historically and, and he actually improved upon that um, last season. I just really think that it's going to depend on who Bryce builds that chemistry with. And that is part of why he is doing these outside the facility workouts he even said it. He had an interview with um, Jonathan or Jonathan Jones. Yeah, for CBS. Mm. He used to write for The Observer. He had an interview with Jonathan Jones here about going to training camp. And he he mentioned it. He says, you know, it's about the communication. It's about building this chemistry. It's about getting familiar, getting the timing right. That is what we're honed in on. That's, that's what mm. we're focused on. Don't look for, are we going to win the Super Bowl? Don't look for any of that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, maybe. And, and look... <laughs> Me and you both I bet it. have me and you both have a higher <laughs> win prediction than ninety eight percent of anyone talking about win loss predictions. So I think that it's fair to say that we are more optimistic about this team than most analysts, pundits, fans, public, whatever you want to say. Um, 
but I'm still going to be a little bit grounded about that and say that even if we do hit that 11 wins that I'm talking about, I'm not looking at this team to win the Super Bowl this year. If we do, obviously I'm not going to complain and try to return it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to keep it. I want that. But I'm also not going to be discouraged if we don't hit the highest of peaks in year one. Yeah. Let me let me just run through when when Wright took over uh, Indy, mm-hmm. what the receiver yardage was. We had yeah. T.Y. Hilton with 762. Zach Pascal with 629. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, Marcus Johnson with uh, 255. Yeah. So I think that he's going to be okay. Um, right. And, and he was dealing with. Mola Ali Cox, who nobody really thought was any good. Uh, oh, man, Jack I love Mola Ali Cox. I, mean, we love, I, I do. To be yeah. completely honest, I really think he's got something. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's also like, what's the what's the guy that has played forever on the on the um, uh, Packers? Uh, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, he's like nine feet tall. Um, Martellus like Bennett? Four, uh, no, no, no. Um, I'm thinking about it in a bit, but he's like, he's just like played forever. And he like keeps winning. Who was the guy that played for the Panthers uh, that was also like that? Um, uh, man, I, I a I super tall guy that played for the Panthers. Yeah, the big, the big dude, and he went to um to somewhere. Uh, I think it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it. I'll, I'll figure <laughs> it out and I'll, I'll put it in a tweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, but uh, there's like these big, strong dudes that just like play forever. That you're like, I love this guy because he's just a big dude that can get yeah. like in front of people. Well, Mo Alley Cox always has has that appeal too because he was a power forward at VCU. So yeah, anytime yeah. that I can see a basketball player translate to tight end, I'm instantly like, is this the next Tony Gonzalez? Is this the next Antonio Gates? Oh man, this is guy, this guy's going to be a dominant player. And Those then they were- go for like 300 yards and a touchdown and for a year. But <laughs> I'm like, they're just not getting used correctly, man. Yeah. Like, let me go out there and I'll get Mo Alleycox into the Pro Bowl. Goldsboro native, which is where I'm from, Goldsboro, North Carolina. Jimmy Graham didn't play uh, high school football. He was a, a power forward at uh, Miami. That's right. Yep. Yeah, he, I, and, I played with him. I played with him on my middle school football team, and he and he uh, broke his um uh, uh, uh what's collarbone, and I he was he didn't want to get hurt again because he wanted to focus on basketball, and then he got back into football in college. It, it's wild. That you got to figure uh, out a way to turn that into one of those fishing stories, though. Like, hey, I played against Jimmy Graham, and we kind of had like a bump in, and it broke his collarbone. <laughs> you know, you really got to sell that, man. No, like, <laughs> no, I was like, I was like five two in uh, in yeah. uh, middle school. Yeah. Jimmy Graham's been six five. He's been six six since he was like seven years old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was so funny. And we was playing middle school basketball, but he was so like he hadn't like fully grown grown into his body yet. So right, he was like right. kind of like lanky and all over the place, like a baby uh, giraffe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I see him again. Um, he's ninth grade playing for Eastern. Shout out Eastern Wayne uh, High School. Um, he was playing for Eastern Wayne High School uh, JV team when he was in ninth grade and was just built and dunking on people. I was like, what happened to that middle school kid that broke his Well, because you have probably had like an inch and a half growth spurt as well. But Jimmy Graham <laughs> jumped up like 122 pounds and six inches real quick. You know? Yeah. First, first person to ever dunk on me, Jimmy Graham. Difference between an athlete and a regular person, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went. He went to uh, Cherish Prep um, when I was in high school, and they would practice at the local YMCA, and uh, they would just scrimmage against the random people that were playing basketball. And I was screaming. Uh, and he, he gets on a fast break. The, fir- the first time I, the, the best rule that I was ever taught that day: when somebody's bigger, stronger, it can jump higher than you, mm-hmm. and you're guarding them on a fast break, just let them go. Oh yeah, just let them go. Yeah, let them make a highlight. Don't be the highlight. Yeah, yeah, let them make a highlight. Don't be the highlight. Exactly, especially yep. when you're like five two and like he's like yeah. six five. Your <laughs> time, like your time to shine, is when there is a loose ball on that hardwood. You get out there and you skid your ass across that floor and you get it. That yeah. that is it. And then you go back to the bench and you drink everyone's water and you're like, I fucking did it. <laughs> oh, we went off the pineapple. Pineapple. Mm. Um, so we got major the pineapple. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so we talked about how is he going to mesh with the offensive line. Um, I, I like it that our, we're young and mm-hmm. as far as our offensive line and uh, out, outside of Moten, I mean, you got uh, Icky in his second year. Uh, Bozeman, I think he's going into his fifth year. Um, Christensen's going into his third year. Like, they aren't like, they're not like too big for their britches and they also just played with these, those those dudes last year. I don't want to like yeah. shit on them, but you know yeah, those yeah. dudes. Um, so I think that they aren't going to have some like you need to be better attitude. 
So I think mm-hmm. both ways, they're going to do their very best to, to, to be as on par with each other as possible. Yeah, that's um, a really, it's a really interesting point that you make because I think that there's something that we don't give enough credit when we talk about Bryce Young and the impact that he'll have on the offense. We look at it from a, what is he going to do? Like him individually, what will he do? When you have a guy that you believe in that can take you to whatever level you can get to, like you believe he is not just a holdover until we can figure out the long-term solution. This is a guy that like you see people rally around Pat Mahomes and all that kind of stuff. This is a guy that these offensive linemen, they had a great year last year, right? You can expect that to be amplified because of their desire to protect Bryce Young individually. He is going to get the best out of everyone, not just because of his physical performance, but because of what he represents as a possibility for this team. Everybody works together as a team. Team units that work together cohesively to reach that goal, it, it's a good thing. Like yeah. There is no yeah. downfall to that kind of setup. Yeah, exactly. Also, I wanted to uh, touch on a point earlier that I didn't, uh, I, I didn't get back to. Like, the size narrative. Yeah. Who can, like, why does Gives it matter? Shit. Yeah. Like, why is it, like, you can't touch the quarterback anyways. Like, and even if you can, though, like, big quarterbacks get hurt. Yeah, little little quarterbacks get hurt. Offensive linemen get hurt. Defensive tackles get hurt. Yeah. It, injuries the guys that get hurt more are the big dudes. Yeah, injuries aren't saved for tiny people. Like, it can happen to anybody at any time that people are like, well, yeah, well, Kyler Murray got hurt. Kyler Murray tore his ACL. Yeah. And he was running. It was a non-contact injury. Non-contact. Yeah. Like, it that's blows crazy, my dude. Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It's just not something to get bent out of shape about because you're creating a problem where it doesn't already exist. Yes. If he had a history of missing games, and I mean, you can go back to prep school, you go back to high school, you go back to college, anything. If he had a history of missing significant time because of injuries that were directly related to his frame and his size, cool, man. Let's talk about it and let's make that a legitimate thing. Hmm. But until there is reason to worry, I am not going to sound alarms and start freaking out already. Like, yeah. That's just, that's foolish. And it's also kind of disrespectful and unfair to Bryce Young, who has busted his ass and been on the field. Hey, let that man cook. Let him do exactly what he does and just sit back and be happy that we have him. Yeah. Well, yeah it's usually not the, not the Panthers fans that do this, but like, it's almost like it's such an easy thing to say. Yeah. And you can just say it and people just buy into it because. You know, it's it sounds correct. Like yeah. small guy gets hurt in football, but the he doesn't he does he stays within the pocket for a lot of his mm-hmm. like Kyler Murray. Yes, he, he he gets hit outside. Like he runs. Um, yeah. uh, Kyler Murray uh, also wasn't talked about for his pocket presence and awareness and processing ability. That wasn't yeah. his thing when he came yeah. out. His thing coming out was he's incredibly athletic and fast and he scrambles and he can throw the ball at all kinds of different angles that that's it and he yeah. operated lincoln riley system to a t bryce young yeah. is a different player man like yeah <laughs> and and, yeah. and you say like it's the easy thing to to bring up or whatever the other the other part of that is it might be one of the only things to bring up right, right. now right it's there like isn't there isn't a plethora of things to start taking a part of bryce young's game his game film is really really clean like yep. really clean. There's some mechanical issues. There's a couple of mistakes as there will be with everyone. He's a human. Um, but his film is really clean, man. This is a really smart, good player that plays within his realm and his limitations. He knows what he can and can't do. Everyone mm. wants to talk about his arm limitations. I've seen him make throws that are not limited wet noodle arm throws like this. This dude can put the ball where it needs to be. And a lot of it is anticipation and timing and, and just being better at that. Because mm-hmm. he, he can't look. He's not going to stand flat-footed and throw this thing 45 yards on a seam. You know what I mean? Like down the middle. That's, that's not going to happen. He is going to have to use his mechanics. He's going to have to do things the right way. But he can still do it. And he does that on a consistent basis. So, again, yeah. don't create issues that don't already exist. Yeah, so I uh, just want to make this point real fast uh, because uh, I just want to do it as a quick comp. And I am not comparing one versus the other as being better. But we oh, have this the, is going to be rough, isn't it? We have the Jets that went seven and ten last year, and we want to talk about all their young players that are very, very good going into their prime, mm-hmm. and then they add the quarterback. Granted, it's Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be forty this year, but it's an Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you don't know how many uh, 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 quarterbacks have started a uh, uh, postseason game forty or over? Late on me. Three. Okay, who are they? Tom Brady, Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, and Brett Favre. 
When you said Tom Brady twice, I thought that was like two of the answers. No, no, Tom no, Brady, Tom done, Brady. And... No, no, no. He's done it way more <laughs> yeah, than that. But I'm, right, I'm saying, right. uh, so 40-year-olds don't usually start in the playoffs. They also got to go against the Bills, the Dolphins, uh, and watch out for the Patriots. Nobody's talking about them, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as you think. Um, they're going to be as bad as you think. Right. The Patriots uh, suck. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> um, so regardless, that division, you and you add a 40-year-old quarterback into like, Super Bowl. When it, and I got to watch them on Fox Sports for ever, never, never, never. Yep. But the Panthers have guys going into their prime as well. That's right. We added a quarterback and we upgraded heavily at coach. Yep. And we're in a trash division. Yep. But nothing. You know, it's right. like it's yeah. it's it's wild. It's wild. Panthers it's, tax. It's, yeah. Jets yep. sold out training camp in three minutes. Yep. So wild. All right, uh, we're 30 minutes in, um, so let's go to the defense, which is the yeah. uh, basically two and three of your article. Uh, what do you want to start off with first? Want to start off with what you uh, you did? Or do let's you- talk about the secondary because okay. I saw a awesome uh, piece of data today presented by I believe it was Cody Alexander on Twitter. Um, Cody, man, he did he did a terrific job. He he laid out a percentage rate of coverages being disguised by defensive coordinators per team so that's from open to close from close to open open staying open close staying closed now if you don't understand exactly what that means when you refer to something as open or close you're talking about the middle of the field and you're talking about the pre-snap read that a quarterback will make based off of where the safeties are aligned so when you talk about open you're referring to basically cover two where you have two safeties and they're lined up on both sides left and right side alignment right on the hashes um Cover three is more of the open look or or the closed look because there is a safety lined up in the middle of that field. So it is directly in front of that quarterback where he's snapping the ball. So you do your pre-snap reads and diagnosing based off of that. There are plays, two beaters and three beaters that are designed to know if you can identify that coverage, you know where which side of the field you're going to. You know where your three routes are, you know where your two are. Um, Evero for the Broncos was by far the leading percentage rate of disguising his coverage. Um, And I believe it was from open to close that had the biggest significance. 45.3% of the time he was disguised from open to close on that, on that defense. Why that's important to me is because in the article, what I talked about a lot was versatility and where these secondary players line up. How are they going to perform? Now the corners look, that's health. I want to see everyone stay healthy J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, if they're healthy. I'm not saying that Dante Jackson is a pro bowler anymore at this point in his career, but he's not a scrub. I am so tired of hearing yeah. every single Panthers fan, honestly. like It's it's our own fans who yeah. hate Dante Jackson. It's like, dude, I get it. He's not, he's not Patrick Peterson was four years ago. He might be close to what Patrick Peterson is right now. Yeah, yeah um, right. And and I would take Patrick Peterson. Everyone wants Marcus Peters. I mean, what what does Marcus Peters do you, right now physically that's so much better than what Dante Jackson would do? I Wait, mean, was he's that a the, ball was hawk. That the two that you uh, put on uh, Twitter? No, actually, oh. the two that I put up was Marcus Peters and C.J. Henderson. Say, oh yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right, um, that's and right. their their accumulative stats or their quantitative stats for last year are remarkably similar. And C.J. actually has better stats now. He, he has a way worse coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has. Well, Marcus Peters had a decent coverage grade, though, last year. I think he was in the mid-60s, according to Pro Football Focus, where the CJ was, I believe. As, as a whole last year for the Ravens was bad. Was not good. And they were they had injuries that they were dealing with as well mm. throughout the year. Um, weird. It's but, weird but, how that happens. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you don't have your best players on the field, your unit tends to struggle more than they should. And, then you, um, and you know what? You can still make the playoffs. That's if right. If you have people hurt. That's right. You can still do it. Um, but back to what I was saying, Pineapple, sorry. Um, <laughs> when you get... When you're talking about disguising coverages and you have a guy like Evero who came out and literally said, or, or maybe it wasn't Evero, it might have been the um, linebackers coach or the secondaries coach that talked about Jeremy Chin. And he said, we're going to use him in a super role or a superhero role or something mm. like that, I believe they termed it. They don't know exactly where he's going to line up. They don't no. know what they're going to do with him on a game-to-game basis. But disguising coverages and staying multiple in that approach is going to be so good with the personnel that we have on this team. Eric Rowe, Jamie Robinson, uh, Jeremy Chin, even J.C. Horn to an extent are going to be able to line up just about anywhere mm. in that back portion of our that second and third level of our defense. Yep. They are going to be able to use be used interchangeably. Um, we won't tip our hat 
and we will be able to maintain surprise elements of the defense. Mm, yeah, and, and, yeah. and honestly, what a defensive coordinator's job is, is to confuse the quarterback, the opposing quarterback. That's what Evero's really, really good at. Yeah. He can put his players in position to succeed like he did last year. He put his players in position to succeed. There wasn't a whole lot of individual win on the Broncos defensive side last year. Now, they were a great team ranking-wise. As far as accumulating sacks and things of that nature, they didn't get there. Mm. That is more on the individual performance than it is for the scheme, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I am really interested to see that if we are running out Chin and uh, Von Bell and Xavier Woods at times, I can't wait to see what that whole disguised formation coverage is starts producing because yep. you're not going to be able to tell anything on the offensive side of the ball. Now, the other part of that, and real quick, just to harken back to Bryce, he's going to get to practice against these disguised coverages. Yeah. And if he, and Evero was, I think, 45.3%, the closest was 39, and that was the Rams. And then there was only one other team that was even at 30% or, or higher. So you're talking about three teams out of the entire NFL. Was it the 30%. Uh, it might have been the Bills. The Bengals. the Bills or the Seahawks. Okay, okay. Might have been the Seahawks, bang- actually. Okay. okay. And it's interesting, too, because the Rams and Evero the Rams and then Evero with Denver. I mean, that's the same coaching tree, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 that yeah. checks out. Yeah. Um, Bryce is going to see that in practices. So that is just, again, adding to his arsenal. When yeah. he can shave off more time because he can identify things that maybe other teams think they're going to surprise him with, you're not surprising it because Evero is giving him the full bag. Right. You're, you have to beat this team. You have to beat my mind. Mm-hmm. And if Evero's as good as everyone thinks he is, which I think he is, Bryce has to be yes. one of the best defensive coordinators in the game every single day in practice. I yep. love that. Iron, yep. sharp, iron sharpens arm. Iron, iron sharpens, sharpens iron. There you go. And Ricky can't fucking talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're talking to I, – I stumble over my words all the time. Um, yeah, I uh, going back to Mike K. Man, Mike K., you are on this article. I mean, yeah, on it, this uh, – uh, Glad he's at so The much. Observer, man. That's a, it's yeah. a good local beat reporter. So he he talked about it too. He's like, look at us doing a lot of three three um three three five uh, kind of stuff. Right. And I think that Chin is big, so he's a big. So you're gonna see a lot of three yeah. He's the safeties. big nickel. Yeah. Yeah. So he will he will um he is versatile enough and he has enough coverage skills to cover uh, the slot. He has um mm-hmm. he can come in at linebacker. I think that what we're gonna see a lot is that you're gonna have um uh Shaq in the middle. Um, Lubu and um, Burns on the outsides. Then you have Brown. I think we're going to see a. I think nobody's talking about Yuta Gross Matos, but he can defend the run, and he's not awful at getting getting to the quarterback. And when we're going to be throw, playing three three five, I don't think that, and we'll be, we, we won't be playing those in places that we're going to be you know heavily blitzing. If we do, we'll do like a creative package. We'll get Lubu in there. We'll get Chen in there. We'll get Von Bell. We'll get, be, be creative about it. Uh, but I think that you're going to have. All these guys that, um, whether it's McCall or Tuttle in the middle, um, Brown, uh, either on, on both sides of the line, and then we'll have on outside, I think, Luvu, uh, Burns. And this is every time. I'm saying we're, we're going to experiment, yeah, and, and, experiment with and, this. And then Chin's going to be linebacker, nickel, right, nickel kind of guy. Right. The question about YGM, and actually, you know what? Let's save this because we're going to talk about the front seven after we talk about secondary. So I'll save yeah. that part for them. Um, getting back to the secondary, though. So that's the safety aspect of it. I really am curious, though, and and Von Bell was the player that I think is not being talked about enough as far as additions to this team and for the outlook for 2023. Von Bell is the best coverage safety we have had on this team in at least four or five years, at Mm -hmm. least. He is going to be able, when we talk about lining up and cover threes and stuff like that, and you have one safety out there in the middle and you got the corners dropping back, Von is going to be able to man that middle of that field like that. That's not where Jeremy Chin excelled. And that was where we sometimes asked Jeremy Chin to perform. And it was setting him up for disappointment. Yeah. Having Von Bell out there, you don't feel that. So if you can unleash Jeremy Chin to roam around and to play closer to what he played in his rookie year where everyone was very excited about this guy. I mean, Jeremy Chin performed exceedingly well in his rookie year. This mm. was a guy that... Made, I think, all first team rookie yeah, defense. Yeah, I think he was like third in uh, rookie of the year behind yeah. um, Patrick Queen and uh, Chase Young. I, I'm right. pretty sure. He's third right. It, and it's not that his skills have diminished. It's that he has been misused. Yeah. Let's see what happens when we free him up of that 
responsibility that maybe he's not as terrific at. And you say, you know, he can defend the slot. He can. It's not necessarily where he's going to be at his best. Mm-hmm. But he's also not overwhelmed there on a constant basis. Right, right. Get him there. Get him roaming around. Let him play the big nickel. Let him play in the box a little bit more. Let Bell man that deep part of the secondary. And then we have to see what we have with these corners. And that's the thing that I'm looking very closely at at training mm-hmm. camp. Because the depth guys from last year that everyone has a problem with, the C.J. Hendersons, the Keith Taylor Juniors, all of the, you know, Stantley Oliver Thomas, even to an extent, I just don't think that they're as bad as they looked last year no. in that situation. No. That situation absolutely. was unfortunate, man. Like, last year, just the whole thing last year was unfortunate. Yeah. Um, And yet we still managed to be a middle-of-the-road team. Yeah, on pure talent. On pure talent and, like, just trying, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, These we're poor guys, be in- man. Wilkes having to, dude. Man, I everybody. Like, everyone just got the short end of the stick, I feel yeah. like, last year. Yeah. I don't feel that way coming in. I don't feel like the team feels that way coming into this year. No. But there is still some answers or questions that have to be answered at training mm-hmm. camp with some of these guys. Because if there isn't a noticeable jump from the guys like CJ Henderson and Keith Taylor Jr., I think you absolutely do have to start looking at adding a, a free agent player in the secondary. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily and Thomas that. Oliver, like like people have been talking yeah, about. Yeah, man, he's been getting some pretty nice feedback. Honestly, yeah. like they have, I think it was Dante Jackson that yeah. actually said that he was impressed with his performance and how he was stepping in for a little bit of the injured guys, even in OTAs and stuff like that. Stanley Thomas Oliver, I mean, he's another guy that had a great RAS score, I believe. He's mm-hmm. a six three corner, Big extremely dude, yep. long, um, pretty physical. I don't think that that's necessarily his calling card, mm-hmm. but he doesn't shy away from run defense and tackling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a theme with the players that we that we have drafted too. Keith Taylor Jr., uh, Stanley Thomas Oliver, JC even to an extent. JC's what six two, two ten, something like that. They're they're building the Seahawks. They're yeah, building, yeah. building and, the Seahawks team. I don't have a problem with that. That's yeah. a, that's an okay thing for me. Yeah. Um, you trust your coaching and you get yeah. the best athletes on the field. Yeah, absolutely. But there are some questions that are going to have to be answered though. If there is not a noticeable jump, I do think that we have to be in the market for a cornerback. Because if J.C. Horn and we do want to see the health too, right? Because if, Who's there, if they're Who's able, the market Marcus Peters, like, Marcus Peters. I mean, honestly, that's what event, everybody. Yeah, yeah. But Marcus Peters, what he provides though, and and even though I put up that side by side of C.J. Henderson and Marcus Peters stats from last year, Marcus Peters is a more capable coverage corner. Mm-hmm. He is the quintessential ball hawk, where he will gamble at times and get beat and he'll get beat for big plays you know what i mean i think he gave up five touchdowns last year which is the same as cj henderson most of those from cj came in one week (laughs) so like let's let's take that with a grain of salt too that was an awful week man but but safeties did not help him out um, not not one bit nope um yeah so going back to so i I, I thought you were about to make this point about peters peters won the super bowl with um uh no he didn't he he went to the super bowl with the rams but he wasn't on the rams uh winning super bowl team I believe. I think that's uh, but, right. But he's used to making the playoffs. He's used to winning. Uh, mm-hmm. Von Bell was this close to winning a Super Bowl. Miles Sanders was this close to winning a Super Bowl. That's uh, right. Thielen was in the um, NFC Championship game. Uh, Hayden Hurst has been in the playoffs for – he was in the AFC Championship game last year. Um, uh, Corbett has won a Super Bowl. Heckers won a, We got these guys that either are this close or have been there, and I think they could be like, this is what it takes to these yeah. young guys that don't know. It's, it's, it's all the, they had to deal with is Matt Rule. Yeah, it's the winning culture, right? Yeah. It's like, why is Udonis Haslam still on the heat? Yeah, he, yeah. he can't hardly stand up to lace up his shoes, let alone get in and play 20 minutes a day. But he's been around championship teams. He yeah. knows what it takes to win in the league. That's what we want sometimes. That's what an Andy Dalton even brings to an extent. Now, Andy Dalton hasn't been sitting there competing for Super Bowls every single year. But Andy Dalton came in as a young player, as a rookie with a notoriously poor franchise. And he performed. He got his team into playoffs. He got his teams into situations to win and to compete for championships. You need things like that in the locker room. And as young Mm. as this team is, we had to get some of those players. Von Bell, I mean, that's recent success, right? Yeah. Cincinnati has been the legitimate threat. Yeah, right. Miles Sanders in the Super Bowl. And everyone's mad because Miles Sanders complained because he didn't get enough touches in the Super Bowl. Man, do not fault him for that. Yeah. Give me the guy that wants to help his team more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. 
But back with the with the corners, I, I do think that that's where we have to shore up some things and figure mm-hmm. it out. Um, the health is going to be the most imperative part. If JC looks like he's okay, if he's fully recovered from that ankle situation that he had from his offseason workouts, that'll be a huge sigh of relief for fans and the team together. Um, mm-hmm. Dante Jackson, I'm not as concerned about him being ready to go right now. Mm-hmm. We've still got training camp and preseason. Yeah, and he doesn't that, really need the reps necessarily, yeah. but I do want him to feel comfortable with his injury. Yeah. I think that that's more important than the practice reps. I want him to feel confident going full speed, cutting, turning, bursting, explosive, explosive athleticism type of moves that you don't really do when you're rehabbing because you're supposed to keep all that at bay. Mm. He's got to do it in practice, and he's got to feel good about it before he can go out there and actually play the way that I think he can play this year. Yeah, and he'll they'll ease him in. He won't get. I mean, he won't get you know seventy five percent of the snaps right. uh, early on. They'll ease him in, and I, I and I am like like you. I'm actually pretty comfortable with Keith Taylor. We all remember the one bad game, right? But man, these guys these guys played well. They played well. Keith for the most Taylor, part. man, he had a nice rookie year too. You yeah. know, he had a nice rookie year. He played. Hey, you with Phil Snow, man. Like, come right. on. Like, but you know what? Keith played really well. And I know it's college. I'm not trying to say that college is the same thing, but he played really well at Washington. Yeah. He was he's a really a nice player. player. He, and, he, and he's one of those guys that worked really hard to get to where he was, as opposed to just having the exceedingly high natural God given ability type mm-hmm. of stuff, where some of these guys are just better athletes and they don't even really have to try as hard. Keith is a good athlete. I'm not trying to diminish that. He's an NFL player. They're all great athletes. Mm-hmm. He's a very good athlete, but he also just had a great work ethic at Washington. He busted yeah. his butt to get things done. He comes in here, gets really poor coaching, man. From all accounts that we've had, this it poor happens. coaching with the last regime. Yeah, We're about to get really good coaching. Let's yeah. just wait and see what happens. And we're going to get our best example of these next four weeks in South Carolina, right? Like that is, yeah. that is where we're going to see the most of three and a half weeks, whatever. We're going to see the most tangible ideas that we have from this team and with this coaching staff. And it's no longer just sitting around and talking about what maybe is going to happen, what maybe we deploy, how some of these guys look. No, we're going to actually see it. So that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm looking for. But I will still reserve that judgment until we're back from Spartanburg. And then we can start looking at some acquisitions. I know there's more examples of this and I hate that this is the example I'm going to use because everybody's going to roll their eyes at me, but man, uh, Eli Apple and with uh, Joe Judge and then coming with Phil Snow and bouncing around these league to all these terrible DCs, he goes to um, the Bengals and is the starting cornerback in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, he, he had some trouble there too, but he yeah, did but play I mean, better. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coaching matters. Uh, we got to remember that. Um, we got to move on though because we're yeah. <laughs> kind of getting late. Um, but also the front seven you wanted to uh, talk about that's kind of like all that's left unless we want to go to special teams. Um, yeah, no, but, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's do let's do a little front seven stuff because cool. the, you talked about that in your article. Yes. And the the obvious part of the front seven that we're gonna talk about is the opposite edge rusher of Brian Burns. That that has been it, it's cornerback and edge is the the hot tickets of Panthers Twitter, Panthers fan base, and even national to an extent, if they ever do talk about us. Um <laughs> but I, I have heard so many people say we've got to sign Yannick. We've got to, we tried, I think we expressed a little bit of interest in Leonard Floyd. I just don't think that the contract was exactly where we wanted to pay for a player like that. Yeah. Um, I know some people are still high on Jadavian Clowney coming here. And that makes a little bit of sense to me, the Jadavian Clowney thing, because of the edge setting. He's a bigger guy. I'm not a huge fan of bringing Yannick here. I won't be upset if we sign Yannick and Gakwe. Yeah. He's, he's a proven pass rusher. I just, I think that he's still a rotational piece. I don't mm. think that he's a set it and forget it type of player. Um, I think that Marquise Haynes, who we spoke about last time, and again, yep. Mike K, shout out to him, gave the update during <laughs> OTAs and stuff. Man, he's everywhere, right? And speaking <laughs> of everywhere, that was Marquise Haynes and OTAs. That was that's the reporting so the right now. Best player on the field. Best player on the defensive side of the field. I cannot wait to see him with an uptick in snaps. I want him to be on the field a little bit more. Um, I still think, though, that the committee is is a natural thing that's going to have to happen. Because, like you said about YGM, he does have a better run defense capability. I, I, I am just concerned, man, and this is where I was going to talk about earlier. I am concerned about YGM's overall athleticism mm-hmm. and ability to stay on the field for more than just specific downs. 
Um, I think he is a cut candidate too. I think he. I mean, he, he could go both ways. Uh, yeah, on and, how and, they want to use him. And and it, and it really depends. Like, right? Is he the transition to all outside linebacker? That I think would be better for him than trying to play him at the defensive end on a light number. You know mm. what I mean? If he's 265, 270 pounds, that's a little bit light for trying to play that mm. end. Um, Mike K did say that he's obviously gotten better. See, he's I love improved. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that everyone's going to improve. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think that's the underlying thing that we keep on harping on, right? Is that every single player should improve with this coaching staff. I mean, every player, mm-hmm. even veterans Shaq Thompson, will probably feel more comfortable and better in this defense than he has under Phil Snow, Al Holcomb, any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the edge rushers, though, and, and there are other stories with those edge rushers, though, like rookie DJ Johnson, man, I, I want to see what he looks like. I want to see... That dude? I mean, he's a, he's a big he's physical a athlete. Yeah. And he's got a motor. That dude. He does. Go. But he didn't produce anything at Oregon. He didn't produce like his numbers were very, very pedestrian. Mm. And I know it was a position switch and all that stuff. We have a whole, we have another tight end to outside linebacker convert on the roster as well. in Jordan Thomas, that's another guy. I think he's like six foot five, two seventy or something like that. Another very large human being that is playing a different position. I, I want to see what these guys look like. I want to see what it was that drew this coaching staff and this front office into saying, that's the guys that we want to try to fill out this rotational roster with. Um, who is the guy that I'm forgetting? Amari Barno. This is a guy that I think is more in the vein of Brian Burns oh. as far as physically, right? He's like 6'6", 240, 245 or something. games last year, he was all over the field. Yeah, he man, was, he's, he's fast. He's field. fast. He's quick. He He's one of those pin your ears back, get after the quarterback type of players. There's got to be some development. He, yeah, he was I mean, and that's what raw. I, I hate yeah. saying raw all the time when you talk about a prospect. Um, unrefined. They said about Burns. Yeah, unrefined is a better way of putting it because he knows what he's physically capable of and he has shown ability. So it's not that he's raw and you just have to teach him how to play the position. He needs refinement to hone in on those skills that he has, those obvious skills that are better than other people. Um, outside of the edge, though, I'm still really, really interested in seeing what happens with the nose tackle position at this team. Um, Derek Brown will play some of it. That's not his natural position. Yeah, um, maybe on third the, downs or something. I, I, yeah, yeah I obvious pass rushing type yeah, of situations. Yeah. Right. Um, Marquand McCall, man, that's the, that's the guy. That's the guy that we keep on touching on. That's the guy that you've heard whispers about. I want to see it. I want to see what happens. Now, Joe Person put out his uh, mailbag today on The Athletic. And one of the questions was about bringing Shy Tuttle and Deshaun Williams in. And Joe mentioned, he's like, they were brought in for a reason. He says, don't get too caught up on the changes system from 3-4 or from 4-3 to 3-4. He said, I still think that you're going to see plenty of four-man fronts on mm-hmm. this defense. Yeah, I think you have to. You have to. And that's what he said. He said, it's about staying multiple. And that's what we've mm-hmm. talked about. It's what I talk about in the article. Staying multiple is the name of the game. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. you need to be able to operate out of structures without giving away what you're doing. Right. Um, so if we're operating at, at a four-man front, hey, look, that's that's terrific for that personnel that we're talking about. Shy Tuttle yep. and Deshaun Williams. I mean, these guys can operate out of the A-gap, B-gap. They can play zero technique if they need to. Um, but Marquand McCall is going to be the guy that on first down, if we are running a 3-5 three, three, or you know a 3-4 base or anything like that or any of these sub-packages, I think that he's the guy that I am looking at to make a big impression and carve out a role and fill that space eater. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, there was, there was, um, I was watching I, and I, I didn't watch him a lot, but there were a couple of times where he'd come up big on third down. I'd be like, who is this? Who did yeah. that? It was Mark. I was McCall. I was like, yeah, who? Like, like I, I didn't even like, I, and I'm one of the biggest Panthers fans I know. And I didn't really know who that was last year. And I always kept an eye out for him after that because he would just always be in these big situations at the big time. So yeah. I am I'm a huge uh, McCall fan. Um, it's interesting that Kentucky, the University of Kentucky, has put out some pretty solid defensive college or NFL players recently. Yeah. There's a guy in this draft this year, and this is completely unrelated. I'll go ahead and preemptively pineapple myself here. Um, <laughs> but Carrington Valentine was a guy that I was really high on a cornerback out of Kentucky that went late in the draft. 
can't wait to see what he does. So yeah. just sidebar that. Everybody go ahead and write that shit down so that you can tell me I'm right later. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think, man, I'm really excited about Derek Brown playing in position. Yeah. I think this dude might have six, seven sacks, eight sacks this year maybe. Mm. I think that he is going to be electric, um, not having to take on two – defenders all the time plus getting you know the full back in or, or like, right. he will he will have ability to beat one-on-one one-on-ones more often and not have to stay in gaps for uh run, run defense as much um we've already seen that he's a really good run stopper the, the whole we gotta get more love on how good our run defense is i think our run defense might be elite this year yeah adding on the guys that we have um because almost all of them play the only one that, like, in the past two years that ever, like, ever, like, was a negative run player was um, Hassan Reddick. But when you have everybody else set, well, and some people you don't are, need are Reddick. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and some people are pretty down on Brian Burns as a run defender for some reason. Like, there, there's this hysteria going on right now about the Madden ratings that have come oh, out, yeah. and he apparently there's... had a bad block shedding rating or something like that. And look, I'll, I'll go ahead and say I, I don't play video games, so like, I don't mean any disrespect by this, but. A video game rating shouldn't matter to real life one single bit. Like, if Madden doesn't think that he can shed blocks, that shouldn't impact our fans having a negative outlook on the actual season of NFL football. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, There was was one other thing that I wanted to... Oh, oh. When we're talking about the front seven, we talk about the edge rushers, we talk about the, the line. The middle of the defense is still something that I'm interested in too because you said it earlier that you can see... Luvu playing a lot of outside if we're running a 3-3-5 and we've just got three linebackers out there that he run a lot of outside. I really think that we're going to see him play inside a whole lot this year. Yeah, I know that he's very dynamic and that that seems to translate more towards the outside playing to get after the quarterback. But for the sake of being multiple and for the sake of disguising, I expect to see him lined up in the middle of the field a lot. And it's also mm-hmm. because of his range and his ability to find the football. So him playing in the middle of that field, if we don't have a guy like Marquand McCall out there who is eating up multiple offensive linemen and who is giving free range to get after the quarterback and and get inside those gaps, you're going to need a guy who Mm. can diagnose and find that ball on his own. And and that's that's Luvu, man. He's a slippery dude. Like he's slight enough because right he gets he gets called out for being slight he's slight enough to like wiggle around and and maneuver in a way that linebackers don't typically do but then he hits you like with this thunderous stick and knocks your helmet off yeah i I just i cannot wait to see it man like i don't have any questions yeah yeah in a three four i think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal i don't have questions about luvu i don't have questions about Shaq. But I want to see what they look like in this yeah. defense. And yeah. that's kind of the whole point of the what are we looking at at training camp, right? Not all of it is like, hey, prove to me that you could do this. It's it's not all proof. It's some shit that I'm just really excited about, man. Like, I am optimistic about this football team. And I cannot wait. Now, I'm going to be down there for the joint practices um, against the Jets. And then I tentatively mm-hmm. have July 29th, um, which is the first Saturday training camp. I have that on the schedule. Not sure that I'll make it down there for that. Um but I will at least be there for the joint practices. Can't wait to see all of this happen against an actual opponent, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, especially with all the hype that the Jets All the getting. hype, man, and hard knocks, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe maybe we'll figure out a way to get Cat Crave and uh, Kitty Litter on there HBO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, please. Um. <laughs> From seven views to uh, channel seven on the old HBO. <laughs> let, me look your, uh, let me look at where you're at uh, on TikTok right now. And yeah, and I'll, I'll take a second to thank everyone that did watch and listen to our stuff. Um, this is a fun thing to be able to do. I, I love writing. Um, so the cat crave has been a really fun thing for me too. But now being able to kind of add to that content with this and being able to talk about it a little bit more in real time and dig into a little bit more of the specifics and details. A lot of fun. I appreciate everyone for listening. Me too. Thanks. Thanks to all seven listeners. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> Uh, you have uh, your video is uh, 792 views. Uh, my next closest is 364, and I just opened. I just started TikTok 12 hours ago. We are so digital. 
Look at us. Yeah. I, think, I think it's the good looks. It, yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I figured that already. <laughs> well, it's you, though. Um, you're, the com- you're like, I'm the common denominator. So it's like, yeah, I mean, this is really it, all like, about me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you for me, double my views. So uh, <laughs> thanks, Ricky. Um, awesome. Uh, so we decided on Ricky, 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 Ricky. I got to learn the words. It's Ricky. Yeah, I, I like Ricky, the I like the rhythm Ricky. of it. At least that works. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I'll um, I'll actually listen to the song because I haven't listened to it in a while. Yep. Um, I, I might learn the words by next time we talk. But other than that, dude, look for his article on uh, Cat Crave. It's really, really good. Um, it came out today. No, let's just share yesterday, today. last night. Yesterday. Came out last around night. dinner time last night. Cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and um, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, Keep pounding. Keep pounding.